From Hope Being Strong, this is the Care Ministry Podcast, a show about equipping ministry leaders and transforming communities through care. Supporting those in your church and community not only changes individuals' lives, but it grows and strengthens the church. But we want to do that without burning out. So listen in as we learn about tools, strategies, and resources that will equip your team and strengthen hope. I'm Laura Howe, and welcome to the Care Ministry Podcast. On the show today, we are talking all about supporting your teams when there's been a transition in staff. I've heard a lot of churches have seen a significant staff and leadership changes in the past year. Staff leaving or leadership changing can be super hard. It's so difficult for both parties, really, those who are leaving and those who are impacted by the change. And in this episode, I'm going to touch on how you can support your team through this difficult time. I think many of us have heard of the term the great resignation, and I have no doubt that the impacts of COVID have been a big contributor to this. Moral injury, ever-shifting expectations and requirements, and even the financial hardships have contributed to people reconsidering their purpose and how they want to live their life. I think career and employment shifts have been seen outside of ministry too. I pretty much am sure that every single person has had the thought of, is this career or is this job what I want to spend my life doing? The past few years, people have discovered that in the end, it's really your family that truly matters. And people have been challenged to see how their careers have supported or hindered those relationships. But I also think that systemically, there is an unhealthy expectation on those in ministry. I've often considered these expectations on pastors to be a recipe for burnout. Oftentimes, although not always, pastors are considered to be on call 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and they are very isolated with little support or little oversight or accountability. Pastors are also expected to be good at so many different things like public speaking, counseling, budgeting, project management, and they're supposed to have these, the theological expertise and all of this pressure, all of these expectations can weigh on a person and can lead to burnout. One of the challenges of ministry on of ministry roles is that they have dual relationships with just about every single person in their life, meaning that they are both pastor and boss, or maybe they're pastor and neighbor, or maybe even pastor and friend. Dual relationships are super, super tricky to navigate, and they can be really taxing. And I feel that this is at the heart of many interpersonal conflicts. Each role, be it a friend, a boss, or a pastor, has set social expectations and unspoken rules. And when you hold two roles at the same time, it can be really hard to know in the moment what hat are you wearing or what would be appropriate response in that time. The factor of dual relationships alone can impact someone's working relationship and cause so much friction that they need to leave. I've heard a few times of people working for a church, yet attending another church. Of course, this person wasn't in a pastoral role, but I thought this was a really interesting way to avoid this really complex issue of dual relationships. Super outside of the box thinking, and I think it's really creative. There are also times when people grow out of a role or feel the need to move on. In the corporate or nonprofit sector, this is 
really common. I think it's really rare nowadays for people to only have one career or even more rare is working at one job or having one employer all their life. Like I don't even think that happens anymore. (laughs) It is normal for people to move, shift careers and have change in their life. I think we have this bizarre connection to people in ministry and this expectation of loyalty for life. And I'm open to being wrong about this. Believe me, I'm definitely open to to learning and shifting my perspective. But I think that it's healthy and normal for people to change and move. Now, I have a child who's just going into grade seven and in the French school board that they're in, uh, their high school starts in grade seven. So this is a little bit mind blowing for me right now that my 12 year old is going into high school. But it's also showing me that time is moving very quickly and it's not going to be very long until she's looking at colleges and doing career coaching. And I have known as a parent from the very beginning that my daughter is eventually going to move away from home. That's my job as a parent, to raise her, to help her develop her character, to build a relationship with Jesus and to discover her purpose and her giftings and her callings and then send her out. I think it would be weird if I was shocked or surprised that my daughter would want to move out when she's a young adult. But just because this is expected and I think it's healthy, it doesn't mean that it's easy and it doesn't mean it's going to hurt any less. So even if we're able to shift this expectation of those in ministry and see that the church is an incubator to grow leaders in their skills and in their character and that it's normal for people to move and shift, it's still going to hurt. Our minds interpret the world around us based off of our past experiences. And so it's not surprising that when someone tells us that they're leaving their position, we can interpret that information or interpret that experience as a personal rejection. Or maybe we feel like we've lost our trust in that person or that we're angry or we feel out of control. What are we going to do now? Or maybe you feel super anxious. This is probably because there was a loss in your past that cause these experiences or these emotions. And so when you have another loss or someone else is leaving, you can anticipate, your mind anticipates that you're going to have the same negative experience. But like I previously said, the church is like our family. It's natural and normal for people to move away. But while people are with us, we're to help people to develop their character, build personal relationship, and to discover their purpose. When we think of grief, we usually think of it as a loss of a loved one. But really, it can be any loss that can prompt this grieving process, which includes this very familiar stages of grief of shock, denial, anger, bargaining, depression, acceptance, and meaning. I've recently walked with the church through a loss of a key leader, and all of these sound very, very familiar in their experience. Grief is experienced differently by each individual, but physiologically, we all respond very similarly. What I mean by this is that grief is felt physically, mentally, and emotionally by everyone, but it can look very differently. For example, some people might need the have the need to keep busy or be distracted and so they feel compelled to keep moving or clean or do odd jobs or or being quite chatty and and social while others are overcome with exhaustion and have little to no motivation and just want to be by themselves. So common experiences of uh, for physically it's headaches, feeling tired, achy muscles like a physical pain, nausea and that exhaustion. Emotional responses can be sadness, anger, disbelief, despair, guilt, 
loneliness. And mentally, there's forgetfulness, a lack of concentration, confusion, or even poor memory. So if your team has experienced a loss, then I think it's really important that as leaders, we have grace for people who may be experiencing some of these struggles. If your team is struggling to meet deadlines due to low motivation, brain fog, and apathy, this might be a sign that they're grieving. The tricky thing, though, is, is that people can get stuck in their grief. Grief is focused on the past, and when we're stuck in that, it can prevent you from moving into your future. One of the Bible stories that I feel really shows the process of grief is Ruth. While Ruth is often viewed as a romance uh, book in the Bible, I think it's also a tragedy. The book of Ruth starts centered on the person of Naomi. She and her husband and two children have to leave their home because there is a drought. They travel to a new country because there is food and the family plants roots there. Their boys grow up in that new community. And then tragically, Naomi's husband dies, and she's left as a single mom to raise her boys. They grow and and marry two local girls. And about 10 years into their marriage, tragically, both sons die, leaving three widows to survive in a culture that relies on the male to provide and sustain them in their community. In addition to their loss of their sons, their new home, Moab, is now in a drought of its own. In that moment, Naomi has a choice. She has lived in this country for over a decade, possibly two, and she's experienced extraordinary loss. But instead of settling in her grief and remaining stuck, she chooses to look forward. She says, I have done this before and I can do this again. Naomi chooses to return to her previous home of Judah because she has heard that the drought is over. She chooses to journey through her grief rather than staying stuck in her grief. On the journey through back to Judah, there's this exchange between Naomi and her daughter-in-law, Ruth. Naomi tells the woman, you know what, just stay back, remain where you are, build new lives, build a new home. She tries to bargain with or negotiate with Ruth, telling her that she could return and stay there and turn this tragedy around. Together, they weep and they support one another. And in one exchange, I read that Naomi Naomi gives up on trying to convince Ruth to go back and she just stops talking to her. It says that Naomi saw that Ruth was determined and she said no more. And maybe this is frustration and she's giving Ruth the silent treatment, or maybe it's because she's overwhelmed with gratitude. It doesn't really say, but I kind of imagine that she is just frustrated, angry, and is giving her the silent treatment. They arrive back home in Judah and Bethlehem, and they get connected back with relatives and begin to make a new life there, accepting their situation. This is where Ruth's romance with Boaz takes place. And this is really what the book is known for. And then we learn further on that the lineage of Ruth and Boaz leads to King David and ultimately the lineage and line of Jesus. Although this story is a beautiful romance and a story of God's faithfulness, I also think it shows that how Naomi journeys through her grief, refusing to let herself get stuck, but also continues to journey towards her future. And we see them move through these stages of grief, of shock, denial, anger, bargaining, depression, acceptance, and meaning. When we experience grief and loss, it can be really easy to get caught up and stuck. It's painful. We're angry. We're shocked. It's hard to see the future without the person we lost in it. 
This kind of struggle is commonly understood when there's a death of a loved one. But when there's a loss of leadership staff or a friend in ministry, our mind and our bodies react the same way. And we have questions about how could this be? What has happened? Why is this happening? There must be something wrong or something at fault. There, what, does the church, what is the church going to look like now? Our minds, our thoughts are swirling. It can really be easy to get stuck or caught up in that moment. But like Naomi, have courage and make a choice to life and to journey through these thoughts and feelings and emotions. So often we push them down or ignore them or carry on with ministry. There's a mission to do. Don't get sidetracked. Don't get distracted. And so we stuff these thoughts and emotions and questions and we press on. But journeying to life doesn't mean that you ignore your emotions. While on the journey, Naomi and her daughter-in-law wept. They bargained. They were angry. Emotions need motion. If we stuff those emotions down and not give ourselves time to process them, even in the name of the gospel and in ministry, it's like pushing a beach ball down under the water. At some point, these emotions are going to bounce back and they can often appear in an explosive way. By acknowledging the hurt, the sadness, the pain of the loss, it doesn't minimize your faith in God's call. It's part of the journey. But the important part is to not get stuck. Process the pain on a journey to life. When a staff or volunteer leaves in your church, allow for people to process the loss. But as leaders, create a destination that people can journey to. It can be challenging and uncomfortable to hold two opposing emotions at the same time. Grief, anger, sadness, and hope for the future. But it is possible. Like Naomi and Ruth, their sadness and anger did not prevent them from journeying to Bethlehem, but in fact, it helped them because when they arrived in Bethlehem, they were ready and prepared for what God wanted to give them. How you handle the loss of a team member prepares you for what God has planned for you. If you get stuck in anger, offense, sadness, it will be much more difficult to accept what God has for you. Emotions need motion. By feeling the anger, lamenting the grief, and giving your questions and frustrations to God, you journey through this really hard experience. The final stage of grief is meaning. When you are suffering and on the journey, it's hard to see that there will be any meaning to the pain. And I am sure that if you told Naomi that there is purpose to the loss of her husband and her sons, she probably would have slapped you. And I am by no means saying that God causes suffering because I don't believe that. But I do believe that God redeems suffering. We have no idea when Naomi passed away, but I am super curious to know if she ever saw her great-great-grandson, David, slay Goliath. I wonder if Naomi saw him as king. What an incredible moment would that have been? How could so much celebration come out of so much tragedy? That is the faithfulness of God. And Naomi would have never known that Jesus was born from her lineage and out of that tragedy. While God doesn't cause suffering and loss, he is faithful. And we can't even imagine what he can redeem. And I know it's hard to see in the moment of pain, but that is faith. 
One of the most well-known scriptures in Ruth is when Ruth tells Naomi that she's not going to turn back, but she's going to continue on and journey with her to Bethlehem. And it was at that part that I imagined Naomi giving Ruth the silent treatment. Ruth said, where you go, I will go. And in that moment, when you lose that team member, it can be tempting to ask questions, doubt, worry. These are distractions. This is turning back. It is at this time to check back in with God and say, God, I don't have all the answers. I don't know where this church is going. I don't know where this team is going. But it's at this time to check back in with God and say, God, I don't have the answers. I don't know where this journey is leading but I'm going to trust where you are calling me to be. And I will go, God, I will go where you will go. It must have been so overwhelming for Naomi and Ruth, but they stayed focused on what God was calling them to do. They didn't let distractions cause them to be stuck, but they were courageous to go on this journey. And if you've experienced a loss on your team, I encourage you to have the courage to journey through your grief. Hold grief and hope at the same time. Don't submerge your emotions, but face them. Weep, get angry. God created those emotions so he can handle them. It actually builds trust. And have faith that your journey is going to lead to a place where God will redeem the losses. When there has been a loss in your team, as a leader, it's a fine balance of offering hope and giving people space to journey through grief. But how you journey will prepare you for accepting what God has planned for you. Take these opportunities to build trust and connection with your team and journey together so that you are ready to receive what God has redeemed. Thanks so much for connecting. I encourage you to put what you've heard into action today. How are you going to take those principles and these these concepts of journeying through your grief to build a culture of care for both yourself and for those in your church? And if you want to be reminded when an episode goes live, make sure you subscribe. Thanks for connecting. Take care.